What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Data Career Podcast. I'm your host, Avery Smith. And guys, what's up? It's December. Can you believe it? We're almost done with 2021 and on to 2022. I surely can't believe it. It has been a crazy year. When I look back on this year, I'll have to do a year of review podcast because this year was so freaking crazy. I can't believe all the stuff that has happened from quitting my job at ExxonMobil to starting Snow Data Science to starting Data Career Jumpstart, starting this podcast. I am so grateful. What an incredible year. Um, I was just looking at my Spotify wrapped, which is basically like analytics for Spotify. And I saw that 37 of you guys listen to this podcast more than any other podcast. And thank you so much if that's you. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, I know I've been bad at putting out content. In fact, I'm not entirely sure I put out any episodes in November. Maybe I put out one. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it, Life's been crazy. But I am going to definitely have some awesome podcast plans for 2022. Um, so stay listening. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And please let me know if there's something you'd like to hear on the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Um one thing that's going on right now, if you're listening to this podcast in December of 2021, is I am doing the 12 days of data Christmas. And so right now I'll be giving out $7,000 worth of free prizes over the next two weeks or so. Um, basically, all you need to do is enter your email. So you can go to datacareerjumpstart.com slash slash giveaway. I don't know why there's a double slash, but there is right now. I'll have it in the show notes. So you can just click the link right there. Um, I'm really excited about this. I'm giving away three spots data career jumpstart. I've never given away any spots data career jumpstart before. So this is the first giveaway. We're going to do three of them. I'm giving away six coaching calls as well. I do coaching calls. You can find that at datacareerjumpstart.com slash coaching. Um, I do resume reviews. I do LinkedIn revamps. I do just data science chats, career coaching. Uh, you need help with code. I'll do that. So I'm giving away six sessions for that. And then we have some awesome sponsored posts or, or donated posts. So first we have a copy of Practical Data Science with Python, and that is by Nathan George, and that is brought to you by Pact. So you can definitely check that out. That'll be a free ebook of that. We also have People Skills for Analytical, Analytical Thinkers by Gilbert Eichenblum. I don't know how to say his last name. Gilbert, you're awesome. Appreciate you uh, being willing to give a book. I really love this book. I actually bought a copy myself. Um, I need to read more into it, but I've read the first five chapters or so, and I'm absolutely loved it. Um, and then we have a one-year membership to the Inner Circle from Dedicated, the Dedicated Inner Circle. So this is Kate Strachney's awesome new community. It's free to join, but if you want to get the Inner Circle, which has some extra bonuses, including some courses, some awesome courses, some awesome instructions, some extra perks, there's one year subscription to Dedicated Inner Circle. And that is 12 prizes. So Data Career Jumpstart, Inner Circle, two books, and six coaching calls. And all you need to do is sign up your email. That's it. And then you're entered. And then you can increase your chances by doing a couple activities like tweeting about it, sharing about the uh, giveaway, following me on Instagram, YouTube, subscribing to the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So that is coming up. I'm very excited about that. Um, I just wanted to give back and I think this is an awesome way. I'm really excited for all the winners. Um, but you know, those three data career jumpstart memberships, those are worth a lot. And that is my baby. I love this course. Um, so I'm excited to give those away, but let's go ahead and get in today's episode. I'm really excited to bring you this, uh, conversation I have with Susan Walsh. She is the classification guru and it's a really fun conversation we had back in mid-November. 
Um, she's the founder of The Classification Guru, a company dedicated to fixing dirty data. They specialize in data classification, taxonomies, and data cleaning. If you don't know what that is, we cover it in the episode. She's also the author of Between the Spreadsheets, which is a brand new book about how to handle data more effectively and save thousands of hours and hopefully dollars cleaning data. And she's a great person to follow and be connected with on LinkedIn. So I'll go ahead and have her LinkedIn profile link inside of the show notes, as well as the place where you can buy the book which is once again, between the spreadsheets and all about cleaning data. Obviously, cleaning data is a big part of all things data because data inherently usually is not very usable. And so we need to clean it to make it usable. And so in this episode, uh, Susan talks about what she does on a daily basis. She is a data entrepreneur, which is an awesome place to be. She talks about how she got into it, um, what she's tried in the past. She talks a little bit about what taxonomies are and how to do data cleaning and all this good stuff, some things to think about from the data cleaning perspective. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode and we'll go ahead and hop straight into it after a short message from our sponsor. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Data Career Podcast. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube and recording a podcast, as always. And I'm here with a very special guest, Susan Walsh. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. For those who don't know Susan, you definitely should go ahead and connect with her on LinkedIn. She is the founder of the classification guru she is the classification guru yeah which is a company dedicated to fixing dirty data they specialize in data classification taxonomies data cleaning and she's the author of a newly released book which i'm really excited about between the spreadsheets so it's a book about how to handle data more effectively and potentially save a lot of money with cleaning your data and she's just a great person to connect with and follow on linkedin so i definitely suggest connecting with her um, so super excited to have you, Susan. Thank you so much for Thank joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here too. Yeah. How how was that that book writing? Are you glad it's over? Are you excited about oh it God. being out? So glad it's over. Um, I can't ever imagine wanting to do another one. I am not. I really struggle to read books. I just don't take information in at all. It's I, it's which is really weird because when I look at spreadsheets, I remember patterns and where the data is, but books I don't I don't retain the information and so when I signed with the publisher I was like oh I've got to write a book now I don't know how to write a book and then then I left it all to the last minute and ended up with like lots of braces on my wrists because I just battered the hell out of them with speed typing um but you know I'm glad I did it but I'm just not sure I could do it again well, it's very impressive and, and very exciting. I think uh, I think I have the uh, link to check out the book inside this LinkedIn post and YouTube post, and I'll make sure to add the link in the show notes. But tell us a little bit more about what you do on a daily basis. What's a day in the life as the classification guru like? It's it's a bit crazy. So I can be doing podcasts, I could be doing webinars, I could be doing presentations, I could be having meetings with my accountant and being all grown up, I could be having meetings with my team talking about projects that are coming up, 
I could be having new client meetings. Um, I have, I'm having a lot more of those and, and lots of random data problems that I'm kind of trying to help people solve. And um, yeah, lunch isn't really a thing anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, and then actually, you know, I actually do some work as well. So in terms of data modeling or checking the, the, the work that comes back from the team and making sure that it's all consistent and organized and accurate and trustworthy. And um, yeah, it, 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 but I love it because I get bored very easily. And so the fact that every day is something different is really great. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Um, I guess to go a little bit deeper into what you and your team do, like, are you guys like, when you say data cleaning, are you getting out a sponge and like, I don't know, touching the spreadsheets with the sponge or like you guys getting Windex? Like what is, what exactly Bleaching is Bleaching the hell cleaning? out of it. You know, really? Like, you just the, the, delete the heavy, all. Yeah, the, give, the heavy duty stuff. So there, there's two kind of arms to my business. So the first is the classification side, which is, tends to be procurement financial data. So that is, normalizing supplier names so pwc price coopers p.w.c you know we'll put them in a new column and call it pwc and then we'll classify it so that the procurement people can then know exactly how much they're spending with one supplier and or how many suppliers are we buying office supplies from oh my goodness 50 we don't need that many um so so that's that's one type of data cleaning and kind of enhancement and then there's like the the really dirty nitty-gritty um tidying up addresses reformatting them you know some addresses have commas between the the different parts of the address some don't it's just spaces some have abbreviations of um the, like avenue or av um, and then that creates duplicates or near duplicates um zip codes postcodes in the uk some of them have a space some of them don't they all should have space phone numbers um which i, I did a poll and nearly and got booted off of linkedin yesterday from um you know that that's a debate as well you know everybody's using different formatting so when you pull that together in one file it's just a huge mess and Software can only do so much. There's, you know, sometimes you really just have to do get the rubber gloves out and just scrub away to, to get it clean. Okay, awesome. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like what you guys, you know, what you're doing is, you know, you talked about the two different things. One is making sure like names and categories and these text fields are all symmetric as in, like you said, PWC isn't all lowercase, all uppercase, periods in between, you know, the full name, all that stuff. Because we as humans, our brains are smart, right? We were able to, you know, understand that, you know, if we took, uh, I don't know, if we took LinkedIn, for example, and, you know, some of it was capitalized and some of it wasn't, or if we called it LI for short or something like that, we as humans can, we're able to like understand, oh, I understand what this person said. It actually equates to LinkedIn. But computers aren't that smart naturally, right? And so you're, you're basically helping computers think like a human and be like, oh, these are actually are the same. We need to make exactly. them. Exactly. The and, you know, you, you need to do that manual bit first to give the computers and the software and the AI good data to learn from. Yeah. So, you know, even things like Hilton Hotel, 
or the Hilton Hotel. You know, if you're searching oh, yeah. alphabetically, Hilton's going to be here, but it's also going to be down here under T. So, you know, possibly um, a computer's not going to pick that up or it's going to misinterpret it or, you know, so things like that. Or there's like double tree by Hilton, you know, so, you know, that, yeah. that's another misleading thing. So, you know, all those kinds of things, it's just, you know, I've been doing this for a decade. Um, my team, we've got about 40 years between us in experience. So, you know, we can just look at these things and know, like we can go into a data set and just go looking for them rather than waiting to find them now. That, yeah, that's, that's impressive. And, and you're, you're totally right. I was, uh, I was thinking about a, a project I, I did when I was at ExxonMobil looking at hotels for a little bit. And yeah, hotels are really tricky because you have like operating names and different brands that like some of them are franchised yeah and uh yeah i remember all that data it's it's, it's, it's very complex some of them would have names like i don't know like houston hilton versus hilton new york city like you you definitely have to kind of tease out some of that stuff and, and you're totally right that you know if you had if, let's say you had you know we just take one of the the most common data sets the the iris flower data set which has you know the three different types of flowers if there's one one typo in one row and you're trying to make a machine learning algorithm you know that like classifies these different things into different categories it's gonna have four categories because the the computer is only so smart it's like oh i see four different things and even though it's one just one row one letter you know a computer's not like yeah. oh this is what the human was trying to do we need we need the classification guru to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah, and actually, I've just done a, a proof of concept for for some work, and it wasn't supplier names, but it was descriptions. So the description mm. was AHU dash valves. So AHU stands for air handling unit, which I found from from other parts of the data. So you know, for for a start, I don't think you know unless you told a computer that it wouldn't know that. Yeah. But also, and, and this is a, a people problem too. Some people might just see the AHU and classify it as an air handling unit, but actually it's a valve for an air handling unit. So you have to know that it's a spare part, not the air handling unit. So, you know, it, it gets it can get really complex. It's it's not always even for humans, sometimes it's it's hard unless you know what to look for or you know, if you've been doing it for a while, then you know, it becomes obvious. Yeah, I like I like what you said also. It's it's kind of a people problem because this problem it it, it exists, it it becomes in two different ways. Either you have different systems, computer systems that don't work. You're combining multiple systems data into one data set, or you're aggregating data from multiple places, and those systems don't have like the same notations. Um, and that's kind of a, a data management thing, right? That's, you know, Scott yeah. Taylor talks about that quite a bit. Um, or it's, it's human entry data. So for instance, I know when I was at Exxon, we had uh, a really big database that was full of uh, PDFs that were scanned into a computer. And the PDFs were all, you know, pen, like literally people writing stuff in. Oh. And and we as humans, like, we just aren't very, con even with ourselves, we're not that consistent about what we write down. Yeah. Um, but then nevertheless, you take 100 people and you ask them to write down today's date. You know, some of them might spell it out. Some of them might write it out. Some of them might just use letters. Some of them might use the full year or some of them might just use 21. Like we yeah. as humans just like to make chaos, huh? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's, you know, even the same person 
could write something a different way on a different day. It's that spontaneous and sporadic. Yeah, I'm. I know I'm guilty of that. Um, especially with dates. Dates are like one of the most trouble thing, troublesome things in all of data. They're they're so tricky to to keep straight. And I, I'm sure I'm sure you probably end up having to deal a lot with some dates. I'm, well, it's for me. It's more I'm I'm dealing U.S. and Europe. Now, yeah, not just yep. the UK, and so um, where possible, I'm spelling out the date just to be absolutely 100% clear what the date is, um, because otherwise it gets so confusing. You know, one yeah. minute I'm working on a proposal for the UK, the next minute it's the US. It's like, what date should I be using? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know why I, us Americans still just have to do everything different than the rest of the world. Like, I don't it's know. It's not what's, just what's the there. Americans. It's, it's everybody's, you know, you, you can't even within a single organization <laughs> get people to agree on a date format, you know. And really? Just in, yes. Europeans, you guys don't have yeah, one date no, format? No, 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 no. So um, the last at least you guys of, at least you guys don't use like the the month first, right? You guys use day, month, yeah, year, right? Do it like the month first, but oh. there's so many dots, dashes, spaces. Oh spaces, yeah, all that that's stuff. true. Yeah, that's that's true. Mm -hmm. I, that is a good point. The slashes and the dashes. Yeah, um, I was just uh, I, I helped teach a, a data engineering bootcamp at MIT, and we just had a, a session on SQL and. Um, Oh wait, no. That was that was that, that was actually a, a Python session, huh? But regardless, all these students were getting stuck on date formatting, and and it's hard because a computer can't always. That now there is some good there is some good software written to help interpret dates, no matter no matter how you write them. You write we can write some logic behind that, but but man, they were getting really stuck on on the dates. It's it's a complex thing. So again, I did a poll, a couple of polls on LinkedIn around dates, and nobody could agree. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yep. could agree. And also people are using different date formats for different things, like file files. They're maybe doing year first so mm. that it is yeah. ordered yeah. numerically. Um, yeah. by date. But then in uh, Excel, they're using something different. And then when they're signing contracts, it's, it's another whole different date. So it's i don't think we're going to solve that problem anytime soon <laughs> so basically you you have a job for the next foreseeable future yeah pretty much <laughs> that's that's good news well tell us a little bit you know this is the data career podcast so we do talk about technical things um quite often but we also talk a lot about you know more less technical things more soft skills i guess or people skills yeah. how did you how did you get into how did you become the classification guru what's oh. a little bit about your uh, career story and career progression yeah i completely fell into it by accident so um my early career um i did a degree in commerce i came out i worked in sales national account management did that for about a decade and then decided to open a clothes shop because cool. I decided I didn't want to do sales anymore. And it was a lovely, beautiful clothes shop, but nobody came in and bought anything. So it didn't oh, no. last very long. Yeah. Um, and I was desperate for some work. So I found an ad online, went to go and work for a spend analytics company. Um, because I'd worked in large organizations, I, I knew what they were kind of buying. So the classification aspect came like really naturally to me. And I found I really enjoyed it. Um, probably the first thing I thought, wow, this is like easy and I love doing it. This is great. And 
I spent five years with them and they were using some software. Um, I was using it too. And then I developed my own kind of methodology on how to classify and I was doing data modeling and, you know, I hadn't, I, I don't code or anything, but I can do a lot of coding type um, activities through the data modeling. And then I realized that, you know, specifically with the classification, I thought nobody's as good as me. Nobody can touch me when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so I set up my business and I was like, well, nobody else is going to call me a guru. So I'm just going to call myself one. I also wanted, you know, I wanted a fun name. I wanted it to be memorable, not just, you know, a consultancy type name. And, and it kind of took off slowly from there, but, um, but mainly because there was a need for my services. You know, when I had worked at the Spend Analytics company, I saw all this messy data come through the door. But what they were really paying for was the sexy dashboard. But actually, 90% of the project was the cleaning of the data. And I thought, people, surely people, you know, need to talk about this more. And surely people need their data cleaned, you know, not the dashboard bit, because, you know, I knew where my skills lay, you know, I could do a basic dashboard, but that's not really where my passion is. And so I found that, yeah, there was interest, but nobody was looking for me because nobody else was doing this kind of service. So it's, you know, it's taken a good few years just to build up my brand, awareness of what I do. Um, and really, in the beginning, I was targeting purely procurement people. And, and it was only by doing some posts on LinkedIn around taxonomies, spend classification, normalization, that like I suddenly had the data world to join, join in too and, and embrace me and welcome me in. So, so yeah, that that's kind of my happy accident really well what a cool what a cool journey and I, I like um I like what you said no one else is calling me a guru so I'm happy I was happy to do it and I think I think that's something there's a there's an interesting line in um in just careers in general of being confident in yourself um and not having imposter syndrome but yeah. also like not being a, a total fraud too but I think too many people sit too far on the imposter syndrome side. I think so. Um, you know, I I didn't know how to, and and even till this year, I wasn't really quoting properly for for projects. I was just giving them a quick email saying oh, it'll cost you this much. You know, I I hadn't come from a, a businessy consultancy background. I had no idea how to do all that kind of stuff. I just was learning on the job. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just have to, um, if if it's something they really need in the service is good, it doesn't really matter about whether, you you know, your your, your proposal is like really good or, or looks really awful, as you know, because you've got the service to back it up. So, yeah, having a having a bit of belief in in, in what you, you do goes a long way. And, you know, in the beginning, I was very, very kind of strict about I'm only going to do this. But then I started taking projects from freelancer websites, you know, that didn't hardly make any money. I probably made a loss on, but I learned some new skills like database cleansing. You know, I'd never done that before, but, you know, take a couple of cheap projects off of Upwork or People Per Hour um, and, you know, learned, learned some new skills, which meant when 
bigger companies came in and said, could you do this? I was like, I could then say, yeah, actually I can because I've done it before. Um, and, and, you know, I'm also not afraid to say to clients, well, I've never done it before, but we can certainly try. And, you know, people are happy with that too. You'd be surprised. <laughs> that's Yeah, I think I think that's a, an interesting point. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, I took some projects where I didn't make the world's, you know, I'm not Elon Musk making a bajillion, you know, dollars, but I, I got paid to learn. I think that's something that people undervalue. You know, yeah. there's basically three ways to learn. You can pay to learn, you know, by going to school, all that good stuff. You can, you can learn for free, right? You can learn online, yeah. you can learn on YouTube. But there's this third option that people don't talk about that often, and that is get paid to learn. And, you know, I think a lot of these, you know, on, I've taken a job, for instance, um, on Upwork before, where I had, I had no idea how to do it. I charged way too little, but I learned a new skill in the meantime. Yeah. So instead of paying, you know, X hundred of dollars to learn this skill, I just, I just got paid yeah. that amount to learn it. And, and, you know, am I the best at it in the world? No, but do I have some experience? Yeah. And like, do yeah. I regret that time? No, I think it was a learning experience. And I think sometimes we get too down on ourselves. Oh, that didn't work out. But it's like, well, you learned a lot in that process. And it's a really great way to test out what you like doing and what you do. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, I've never known what I wanted to do. I never had a calling. Uh, and so I kind of stumbled into this by accident. So by testing out a few things, it gives you the opportunity to find out what, what you really want to do. You know, if you think you might want to work in marketing, do a couple of jobs on a freelancer website, see if you like it. Uh, and if you don't, then then you know it's not for you. Um, but also, I mean, business-wise, I learned a lot too through dealing with those freelancer websites because, you know, one of the clients, we started working offline and they didn't pay me for nine months. And so I had a whole new experience of how to chase for late payments and, and things like that, you know. Um, and also, you know, scope creep, you know, oh, suddenly yeah. you want a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. So, yeah, it, it, it te teaches you a whole range of different things. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I really appreciate that. One thing I think you do very well um, that you kind of mentioned earlier um, is, you know, you're like, at first, no one really knew who I was. No one really knew what I did because, um, you know, no one was really offering the service. Um, but obviously, you know, hopefully that's that's changed. Um, what like you have great branding and you have great marketing. How, what goes into your brain? What do you think about like what what's your thoughts on your branding and marketing and how to get to where it is? So. Well, I guess from the very start with the name, the classification guru, I wanted it to at least reflect some of my personality. Um, I've got to be honest, I never thought I'd be sitting here talking to you too behind like a spangly background and saying, <laughs> saying that I do lip sync Sundays, etc. That that yeah. all came completely left field. Um, I just realized that I needed to get noticed. So I had to be a little bit different. And I knew that there was there was a bit of a risk involved because if I'm a bit edgy, a bit different, people might not like it. They might not consider it professional enough. Um, but at the same time, I didn't really have anything to lose. You know, nobody knew who I was anyway. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of didn't really matter. And but but what I actually found was that by by 
yeah, yes, yeah, showing my knowledge and I can share my tips and stuff. And I do all of that. And you know, I, I, you know, I, I've justified my my kind of guru status by sharing a lot of knowledge. You know, I'm not scared to to share that. You know, because same with the book. You know, some people said when I wrote that, you know, aren't you worried that they'll, you know, just take all your ideas? And I'm like, yeah, they can go and read the book and they can do it themselves. But I still know I could do it better. You know, so I'm not worried about that. Um, and by sharing that, that raises your credibility, not just your reputation, but then also it's boring. People don't really want to see a lot of like, certainly don't want to see salesy stuff. They want to learn stuff and get tips, but they also just want to be entertained. So everything I do, I try to do around either running a business or procurement or data. That's the kind of, you know, even the lip sync Sunday songs, you know, I try to, to base it around business or data or procurement um but make it fun you know because i treat people on linkedin like my co-workers you know <laughs> everyone everyone's just my co-worker you know we're just having a bit of office banter i i like that and i i, I mean you're right like you have to stand out one way or another um and I think people are, are maybe i don't know the reason but they don't stand out enough i don't know if they're afraid i'm not exactly sure what what it is necessarily but um, it is good to stand out sometimes. It is it is good to be different. Yeah. And I think especially people, I mean, obviously as, as a business, you have to, right? We, we think a lot about marketing in a, in a business sense, but we don't think a ton about marketing in a career sense, even though it's just as important. I mean, either yeah. way, you're spending X amount of hours, 40, amount of, 40 hours a week doing something. You want to be doing, you know, making the most money you can doing something you love from that. Yeah, I think we can market ourselves as humans more often, even if we don't have a business. Yeah, I think if, if I was employed now, I would be sharing examples of projects I'd worked on. I'd be um, asking people in my network, in my industry, you know, I'm having these issues. Are you having the same um, getting some uh, discussions going and getting just your your just awareness of yourself out there you know you don't have to it, you don't have to have a business to to drive that popularity or awareness you know you you can be somebody within an organization and, and raise your profile um, and 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 something that I'm quite proud of um, that I didn't really set out to to do but has happened is I'm the kind of person people want to work with I, I hear quite a lot people say I can't wait to have a project that we can call you in on you know so it's 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 a, it's the long game and I think career-wise as well you have to think about it like that just because you do one post is not going to suddenly get you a job but if you're consistently posting little projects here and there you're planting seeds everywhere you know Months or years later, people come back to me because they've seen me somewhere. It doesn't have to be straight away. That's that's what's really important. Excellent point. I, I like that. Um, and people do people do love you. Apparently, we have uh, Andrew Gibbs here, and he says, yeah, "Susan, Andrew. I love you. <laughs> You're living in the same world of data hell yeah. that I've been in for years. Hang in there." Yeah. And the U.S. Department of State had 47 different records for Good. IBM. That is pretty impressive. Um, I don't, I've seen PwC as well. You can get a lot of various versions of them. I don't even know how you'd get 47 of IBM. You oh, have to I, be like... I have seen international business machines as a supplier. Now, it's not been that for, what, decades? But that is still in some people's systems as the supplier name. So, wow. 
Yeah. Wow, that is crazy. Um, yeah. I, I guess going fact, back, that that probably hasn't that name probably hasn't been used since before you were born. I was going to say I don't I didn't even know that. Just a young thing. I didn't know that's what it stood for. <gasps> Woohoo! I just taught you something. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know they. Yeah. They haven't really been super relevant. I mean, as relevant as as Microsoft and Apple, obviously. So. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, ADP is another one. Mm. The payroll people, so that's mm. automatic data processing. So you see them as as their old name. It's it's crazy. It's people people can't decide on a name, or I guess they have too many nicknames and too many abbreviations. Well, it's actually I'm not sure about the U.S. Department of State, but if you've got a global data set, what tends to happen is you'll have IBM Inc., mm. IBM Limited here in the UK, IBM oh, yeah. SA in Spain, gotcha. IBM SPZOO, or it could be PTY in Australia. So then you get all these little like country. Um, add-ons that that cause chaos and and you'd call those changing those to all one correct ibm that's data classification right that's, no, that's you, normalization no that's normalization so okay. classification would be then taking that normalized name ibm uh-huh. and going through the descriptions and classifying uh-huh. the data so for example you'll have in there servers you'll have printers toner maybe um laptops monitors um consulting services so they would get categorized to whatever they were so level one would be it level two might be Mm. hardware and then level three might be laptop or level two might be software and level three might be business software and so then the the client can then look at ibm and go okay so all our spend is in it that's good um, we are spending X amount on hardware, X amount on software, and X amount on consulting. Um, and generally, that is not happening in most businesses right now. They don't really have a true picture of what's going on. I see. I see. So normalization is making sure the name is correct. And the classification is making sure that you have like multiple levels of hierarchy you know, so that you yeah. can actually see where it's going. But then also, if we go back to the laptops... Mm-hmm. If they were to do just a, a search of their data on the description, the laptop could be called a laptop. It could be called an HP 285X. It could mm. be called duh, 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 duh. so so by categorizing them all as what they are laptops, they can then get that that true cost of how gotcha. much they're spending. Or if it was sales, you know, it could be a sales company if you wanted to categorize your data. How much are you selling of a top or uh, a shoe to to what a country or, or a customer or wherever you want okay so it's almost adding an extra column sometimes with like the categories yeah yeah normally it's it's like one to three levels is normally the the norm okay and and with that there, here's another term i'm not totally sure what it means and i don't even know if i'm saying it correctly <laughs> taxonomy what's that taxonomy yes so a taxonomy is the the structure, the hierarchy that you use to categorize the data. So uh, it's also known as a category tree. So so where where I've told you level one is IT, mm. level two mm-hmm. might be hardware, and level three is software. That's in a different file that you would then use to categorize in the new gotcha. in, the, in the data file. But um, 
level ones tend to be things like IT, professional services, facilities, HR, marketing. Gotcha. And then you then you would drill down into more detail in, in the level two and the level three. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So let's say I have some some dirty data. Okay. Yeah. And and let's say obviously the number one choice is, is send it over to the classification guru. But let's say let's say for some reason you're you you have too many clients, you can't take on any more work. What would you suggest? Like, what are some tools that someone can use to clean data? Like, how how would someone get started with data cleaning? Genuinely, like, I'm I'm not even like that's the reason I wrote this book because there is nothing out there right now. There aren't resources to to cover this off. It's it's the thing that everybody's expected to know how to do and to do, but there's not really any resources out there. So this shows you in Excel, but the tool that I use is called Omniscope. So it's a, a data modeling and visualization tool, similar to maybe a hybrid of Alteryx and Click or, or Alteryx and Tableau, something like that. And, you know, I've over the years, I've developed a way to, to work it and manipulate the data so that we can work really efficiently. Um, but that's kind of next level stuff. I think really you need to to nail the basics, which you can do in Excel, is is understanding the data. So you know, data scientists are really great at being uh, at building algorithms, writing scripts, using formulas, but they don't necessarily understand the data or the output that it produces. And so, so what I'm trying to do in the book is is get people to think about not just the process, but actually the data what what's it being used for how, how do you know if it looks right or wrong you know those kinds of questions because i've 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 had arguments with um data scientists because they they're, they've, they'll argue that the you know the ai was right you know the the for everything's right but the output is is terrible um so because they don't understand the data that they're working with so i think it's really important that when you are doing these things, you understand the data or get some work with someone who does know it so that they can guide you to, to get it right. Yeah, that, that is really important. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, there you go, guys. If you, if you, if you want to learn how to clean data, the books, the books, the best way, um, you know, one of, one of the, uh, I'm sure one of the least efficient ways, but probably the most common way to fix dirty data is probably with the control F control R function in Excel. Just, just find everything and replace so stuff. When you're normalizing suppliers, one of the suffixes that often comes up is ink after the company name. Mm -hmm. But if you do a control F and R on that, then you're going to take out the ink in every single word. <laughs> and I have done that. And I have been there and I have not realized that I've done that for maybe 5, 10, 20 minutes and had to start all over again because I couldn't restore it. So, uh, yeah. I've Be I've, careful. I've been down that road, yeah. Yeah, you have <laughs> to be really careful. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it's about, you know, knowing the data because you could do control, you know, search and replace and then not even realize that it's wrong because you don't understand the data. 
It, you, you do bring a good point that anyone working in data should almost have an intimate relationship with that particular data set. You have to know it inside out, which, which just, you know, it's like a human. How do you, how do you get to know things. a human? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it tells you things. It, it tells you um, about things about the person who input the information. Yep. Um, it tells you things about the company that you're working in. Um, it, it's more than just data or or just a number or or a piece of analytics yeah it, it could be like a whole a whole story and it can really help you lead, lead to really important insights i have a client i'm working for right now working on a data set that has you know over 100 columns and over 10,000 rows so nothing huge um but they're pretty they're they're pretty cost sensitive <laughs> and so they're like okay be fast be fast and i'm like okay but I, I almost wonder sometimes if I'm missing things because of that speed, you know, it's like, I haven't looked at every single cell on that table, which yeah. I'm not saying you have to do, but, you know, understanding every single column, I haven't even looked at every single column, to be honest. So it, it yeah, is. But, th but that's smart because, you know, know which, which are the important columns and, and sense check those ones because some of them are just created by dates and all that kind of stuff. And in, in my world, they're kind of useless. The things I, I need to look at are, are supplier names, invoice descriptions, the value, what currency it's in, um, and and that they're they're my main things. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely not all columns are created equal. That that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, this has been a really fascinating conversation. Um, I think I've learned a lot. I've learned about the word taxonomy. Which is not taxes; it's something. And our taxidermy—that's the other. And, one. Oh, yeah, that's not taxidermy <laughs> either. Um, we did learn a lot about you know cleaning data and, and why it's important. Um, we're excited about your book. You know, it's available. That's very exciting. What I guess on on you know kind of a closing note. What advice would you give to? Um, I'll I'll let you kind of choose. I guess to just just people working with data in general, um, and or. People that want to, you know, start their own thing and, and become uh, an entrepreneur in one way. I'll, I'll let you kind of decide what 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 route to take there. But what advice would you have? Um, well, for first of all, for everybody, um, do something that you love, because whether it's your job or your business, you're going to spend a lot of time on it. So make sure it's something that you uh, love or at least enjoy. Um, if if you're looking for a career then you know I I think it's okay to not know what you want to do in five years you know be open and see see where things take you you don't have to have that plan I've never had that you know I don't know where I want to be in five years or ten years you know hopefully you know still paying my bills and being the classification guru but you know I because I don't set myself specific targets it opens me to keeps my mind open for other opportunities that might come along and patience I think you know especially when I was younger I was so so impatient I just wanted to be a director you know and actually it's the the skills that you pick up along the way are are what lead you to to becoming a good whatever you are so you know I have a really specific, unique set of skills in business and a little bit with data that 
most people don't really have you know it's it's unique to me and that brings a different kind of perspective and 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 those skills along the way whatever you're doing are are, are what are going to lead you to your ultimate kind of dream job or or business um if you are wanting to go down the entrepreneur route do it yourself save up a shed ton of money um you know it took me 10 months to get my first client um now you know not saying that's going to be the case for everyone if you've got a network then that's great I didn't have that so I had to build my my business up from nothing um so save up a lot of money you know talk you know have a good support system and network in place um you know friends family other business owners different people will be good to talk to for different things you know I can I can't really you know I talk to my dad about the business but he doesn't really understand it but I can talk to other business owners and they know exactly what I'm going through um and don't give up you know if you really believe in something just just keep pushing through you know like I said you know I had no connections when I set up this business nobody knew who I was I didn't have a reputation, so nobody trusted me. And I just had to kind of fight for that that position and that place and, and earn the the kind of reputation that, that I've got now and, and prove myself. You know, you can do it. You know, it, it's not an easy road, but you can do it. And, and, you know, if you're not happy in your job right now, do something else. Like, even if it's just doing an, the same job in a different company but with nicer people, just go and do it. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that if you are, if you want to start something new, start from the bottom and and you know work your way up. That's exactly what I did with data. You know, I came in at the bottom and kind of learned my skills and then did something with it. And um, that that's if you want to be really good at at your whatever area you're in, data, not data, anything like really. Learning from the ground up is a really good place to start. And, you know, people can't always afford to do that, but then that's what those freelancer websites are for, you know, supplement your income, etc. You know, I, throughout my career, I've had two jobs. I've worked God knows how many hours. I've done this, I've done that. You know, if you really want it, you'll find a way. I, I love that. Uh, that's that's great advice. Um yeah, you have 90, most, most uh, human beings will work for 90,000 hours in their, their wow. adult life. Do you want to do something that you hate while you're doing it or something that you like? You know? Exactly. So it's, life isn't always about, obviously, like you said, you got to pay the bills, but life isn't always about money because you want to you wanna have some fun in those 90,000 hours. So. Yes. Well, that's awesome. I hope everyone who listens to this takes that to heart and, uh, thinks deeply about what they're doing right now and if it's where they want to be. Um, Susan, thank you so much uh, for you. your for your advice on data cleaning. Um, definitely check her out on LinkedIn, everyone. And um, if you want to learn more about cleaning, check out Between the Spreadsheets, uh, which is available to purchase right now, right? It is. It's actually in the US now. There you go. Um, I'll throw a link into the show notes uh, for it as well. And Susan, thank you so much again. Really appreciate Brilliant. it. Thanks so much. Have a good one. See you. Bye.